0: x is a live call-in radio show and podcast focus on gardening farming and community food systems and more you know plants for people pollinators and the planet and now we turn to the host of grow pdx weston miller of oregon state university
1: i'm your host weston miller of osu joined by our digital producer diana suarez for today's show we're going to interview linda hardison and denny albert of the oregon flora project We'll also be taking your gardening and landscaping questions. Let's start by welcoming our guests. Hi, Denny. Hi, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks,
2: Thanks for having us.
1: And they're joining us from uh, here, live in the studio, at, coming from Corvallis. We're going to get to know Denny and Linda real soon. But first, we're going to celebrate our plant of the week, which is red flowering currant or Rib- Ribes sanguineum. Diana Suarez, please describe the sample that you we've brought in for the show today. And here it is oh, for you on Facebook.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's, excuse me, sorry, I'm a little frazzled. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this flowering red currant, it's really cool. It has these like red dangly guys um, that kind of look like, I don't know, a muscari or something that is, d- you know, muscari usually goes straight up, but it has these broadish leaves with three points and a pretty straight stick. It smells really nice. Yeah. Okay,
1: it and smells green. And Linda, you're a botanist. How about you describe this?
3: Um, Ribes sanguineum, or flowering red currant, is in the Grossulariaceae family, the current family. And like she said, it's got these lovely red, f- pink, magenta flowers that are uh, very attractive to pollinators and hummingbirds. Yeah, yeah
1: hummingbirds really like yeah. it. They're about to open this week, it seems. I'm hoping that they'll finally open
3: it's a great early season shrub that is really beautiful and, and really knocks your socks off when you see it. Um, I'd and also it's say it,
1: it's easy to grow uh, so it's just a, a regular open centered shrub and it doesn't take a lot of pruning necessarily if you put it in some well-drained soil and full sun, it'll grow like crazy. Maybe somewhere around um, eight feet tall, eight feet wide or so, mm-hmm. and really colorful bark as it's coming in. Yeah, and then the question. smell is pretty intense too. And we've got mm-hmm. a question yes, already. We have
0: a question from Jan on Facebook. Uh, Jan is asking if this is a native plant.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, red flowering and Curtain is definitely a native plant, and it's also a really commonly grown landscape plant. Yes. And it's one of the few natives that has, has grown <laughs> Or there are a few other natives that are grown as commonly as the red flowering currant. All right well thank you for indulging us folks in the plant of the week and now we're going to shift our attention towards uh, Linda Hardison and Denny Albert there were the Oregon Flora Project. Linda what is the Oregon Flora Project exactly and what's the mission?
3: The Oregon Flora Project is a program that's based on bringing information about the plants of Oregon and providing this information in a way that's uh, relevant and accessible to a wide audience. What, bas- what
1: kind of information are we talking here?
3: We cover the vascular plants of Oregon. So those are the ferns, the the conifers, uh, trees, shrubs, herbs, wildflowers, all of those plants. There's over 4,500 different types of, of vascular plants and we this information in a flora which is a comprehensive reference that lets you have a detailed description about it and also learn how to identify it
1: okay so really all the nitty-gritty botanical information about hundreds and hundreds of different plants that are native to our region
3: not only native but also naturalized. Also
1: naturalized yes. and, and what does naturalized mean exactly
3: so that means it's a, a, an exotic plant one that didn't occur here when Western settlers were first established in this area, but has become a natural part of the landscape in the wild.
1: And could you give us an example or two of naturalized plants?
3: Actually, one naturalized plant that's very much at home in Western Oregon is foxglove.
1: Foxglove, okay, mm-hmm. and probably Himalayan blackberry or, or Armenian blackberry. Yes, <laughs> that's a,
3: that's an <laughs> ill-behaving. Uh. Invasive or non-native plant that is naturalized.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that leads me to our next question. You said ill-behaving What is the importance of knowing information on on your botanical? uh, subjects
3: (laughs) Knowing about the plants in an area gives you a sense of the very uh, basis for all of the life and the natural resources for an area so you have a better understanding of what naturally occurs here, what is new, such as invasive species, um, what has moved in that didn't used to be in this region because perhaps of climate change, and what is something that is a part of the landscape should we want to restore or recover something.
1: And Denny Albert, help our audience understand some perspective, why is it important to conserve and enhance habitat for native plants in the Northwest and beyond?
2: Well, if you're at all interested in the wildlife uh, and the pollinators, the uh, butterflies, for example, bee, native bees, uh, all of these depend on natural habitat. And so all of these natural habitats, whether it be a forested landscape, or if you're in eastern Oregon, whether you're in the high desert in the sagebrush, uh, all of the insects, all of those butterflies, all of those bees depend on the native plants.
1: Cool. All right, and Linda, what's the history of the initiative of the Oregon Flora Project?
3: It got started in 1994, and this was a sort of personal initiative of the late Scott Sundberg. Um, It's based at Oregon State University, and the Flora Project works in close collaboration with the Herbarium. So, a herbarium is a collection of pressed dried plant specimens, and it's like a library of plant information. And back in 94, the University of Oregon was closing theirs, their herbarium, and moved it into OSU's. So Scott came on board to help integrate this collection, these two collections, and saw this as an opportunity to really learn and catalog all the information about the plants of Oregon. So it's grown from that to produce both a book, um, which we're working on, The Flora of Oregon, which is a comprehensive book about all of these plants we've talked about, as well as a website that gives lots of extra information.
1: And here's the book right here. It's called A Flora of Oregon. Uh, tell us about the book, Linda.
3: This is the first of three volumes of the flora. A flora is a really traditional format for getting all of that information about all of these plants that grow throughout the state. So you have detailed descriptions about each of those 4,500 different taxa, um, identification keys that help you Figure out what plant you're looking at, and it also provides a context for that information. We have chapters in the front with ilu- uh, photographs, illustrations, that let you understand how these plants are relevant in many different realms.
1: Cool. So a lot of practical information, both for botanists, but also just people who enjoy hiking and want to get out and learn more about natural history. Absolutely. That's awesome, Linda. How did you first get involved with the with botany? What's the backstory here?
3: <laughs> um, I've been interested in plants for, I guess, most of my life. I think it started with um, an interest in my mom's gardening, and I pursued that through um, college and went from ecology and kept getting smaller and smaller to the point where I was studying genetics, and then um, got involved through the Flora Project um, as the founder, uh, Scott Sundberg, was my late husband. and so. Okay.
1: All right, so it's, it's in your blood, so to speak, but also it's a passion in terms of making botanical information available to the wide general public. And Denny, how about you? What's your background?
2: Um, my background, I grew up uh, not too far from Lake Erie, and I had a, we regularly caught turtles in a, a, a Tupelo swamp that was uh, two blocks to the north. And then we would get our crayfish a couple blocks to the south in a hemlock groved area in a creek. And then I uh, went, uh, after going to school, I realized one of my passions was plants and got a degree (coughs) in forest ecology.
1: Okay. So you're a naturalist just by growing up and having access to the wild, and then you got some training along the way as well. Yeah. That's great. You're with Grow PDX radio show and podcast. I'm your host, Weston Miller, with Diana Suarez of X-Ray FM. Hey, folks. We are coming at you from X-Ray.FM and live via Facebook at The Oregonian. Speaking of Facebook, Diana, is say hi to some of our friends out there.
0: Yeah, I want to say hi to Echo Gray for tuning in and Corinne, who wants to know where we can buy the flowering uh, red currant if you have a... a where can we find that? West sure, or? yeah.
1: The Red Flower and is something that you could find at a bunch of different um, stores locally. I would probably throw out Portland Nursery, Garden Fever would be great examples, and then definitely the native plant nurseries as well. It's definitely one of the more widely available native landscape shrubs here in the Willamette Valley.
0: Cool. And then Ivica Drozdek wants to know... Um, what are some best what are some best home remedies for killing off moss this is a really bad year for moss
1: oh that is a real good question mm-hmm. i'd say um moss is a four-letter word and some people get really frustrated <laughs> with it but i would say I- if it's in your landscape shrubs and things like that and trees i would go ahead and ignore it it's just a part of here of growing plants here in oregon if it's in your lawn, uh, we're going to be tackling lawns next week on the show. So I'd say stay tuned for that. And if it's on your roof and your sidewalks and things like that, elbow grease is going to be your best bet to scrape it off.
0: Got it. Oh, yeah, we got a couple more thi- uh, hellos. We got seven out there. Um, Bill White, uh, Jackie, Daniel, Joshua, Lori, uh, Dave. We got so many friends. Jody, Lori, Will, uh, yeah thanks so much all for tuning in yeah woohoo
1: thank you facebook live for yeah. for joining us yeah. and now we're going to return to our conversation with linda hardison and denny albert there with the oregon flora project let's get specific about some of the features of oregon flora website this is really a trove of information for serious plant people tell us about the plant atlas
3: the plant atlas is a great tool that we have for showing where plants occur throughout the state. So this is an interactive tool. You can choose the plant species you want to map and see um, dots on the map and all the details behind those records uh, for where plants occur. There are over 550,000 records in that database.
1: Okay, so in other words if I really like a plant I want to know where I can go find it out in the wild I could that's see. That's the
3: place. Wow,
1: that is a really interesting feature.
3: Yeah, and there's a photo gallery also, correct? That fits in really well to support the information in the atlas. Cool. We have photos of field photos, mm-hmm. how the plants look in the field, as well as as photos of herbarium specimens of almost every plant in the state. Whoa, that's really cool.
1: <laughs> so a lot of information, and you also have a web application. Tell us about that for mobile devices.
3: Our app is called Oregon Wildflowers, and you can uh, find where to purchase it through your favorite app store um, on our website, oregonflora.org, and it lets you key, based on the characters that you recognize, over a thousand different plants statewide and it doesn't require an internet connection so it's really great when you go out hiking in the boonies
0: that sounds really cool and I also had an idea for an app many many moons ago to have like a Shazam for flowers you know where you just take a picture and then like the phone just tells you what it is, I think <laughs> we, we should move towards that. But this is really great and a great step towards that direction. Yeah. That it. would be cool. And <laughs> yeah. I've
1: used the app out in the field oh. where I've, I've stumbled upon wildflowers I couldn't Very just nice. recognize off <laughs> the top of my head. So I used the app and was able to do that and help to close the loop in terms of my own learning about plants, which is really one of the, the beauties of the Oregon yeah. Flora Project for those who really appreciate mm-hmm. detailed information, uh, botanical information about plants.
0: Yeah. And you also have a new website coming up. Uh, what what are some cool new features on that website?
3: We are going to be launching a completely redesigned website. And one of the mm-hmm. really great um, new features is going to be a gardening portal. Mm-hmm. And this is done in collaboration with some folks at Metro and Native Plant um, database that they've developed that will let users who are interested in gardening or landscaping with natives select from a bunch of characters that they're interested in, such as something that'll grow in shade Uh or is about three feet tall or has Mm -hmm. a particular type of foliage, and then come out with a list of native plants that are Mm -hmm. commercially available, Uh also a list of what nurseries in the area um sell those plants that's
0: really cool so like landscaping for your particular situation whatever you have right. going on we'll
3: customize it for you and right? the, yeah. the bulk
1: of the information now is really botanical in nature and not necessarily applied towards landscaping and the, the goal with that feature is to really bridge the gap and encourage people to grow native plants denny albert what are some of the advantages for people to grow native plants in their their yards or on a, in a farm setting
2: well, I, I mentioned earlier that most of your, many of your pollinators and butterflies are dependent on native plants and also habitat. If you're interested in having a lot of birds visit your site, uh, visit your yard for example, uh... a lot of your native shrubs uh... produce berries that are used and we are just showing the uh... the hummingbird food (laughs) so especially if they are very important for fauna in general for native fauna
1: well let's just bring it back to red flower and current here it has berries that are technically edible for people since it's a ribes, but they're really not very tasty necessarily but the birds do definitely love those berries on flowering current in a, a range of other native shrubs that are available for people to install in a landscape setting.
0: Yeah. Hey folks, speaking of pollinators, I've been seeing this um, like Cheerios is putting out these, you know, put out the wildflowers and save the bees. Should we be planting those or is that, are, are, do we know if those plants are native to Oregon or, you know?
1: Uh, that's a great question that I think yeah. I can handle. I'd say overall, um, when, when you're seeding plants in a wildflower mix, you're going to probably have pretty mixed results in the situation. And I would advise people instead of doing that with a, a packet to prepare an area to do it really well and to kind of handle the weeds and then to probably use transplants for the bulk of the things that they want to install, mm-hmm. whether that be native grasses or plants like yarrow and things like that. Um, Just overall direct seeding plants in a garden situation is pretty hard to do, because the weeds are so voracious here in Western Mm -hmm. Oregon, and that people are gonna have a better luck transplanting specific things that they want to plant. And um, if folks are looking to learn uh, more about native plants, they can check out a great little native plant gardening booklet through Metro, Um, They can go to Metro's website and download it, or it's also available at about 37 different nurseries around the area and little wooden racks that we provide for people, Um, but that will help people to kind of determine best practices for planting their landscape plants. Weston? There
2: is, uh, um, there are a couple of nurseries in the Willamette Valley that do have wildflower seed packets. That are and stri- that strictly native. They're strictly oh, cool. native <clears> and <throat> some of them are there, some of that grow more easily. Okay, good. And the other thing to know is that some of them actually take it it may be two years before they show up. So yeah. all of a sudden you have a ooh what is this? Well it, it's something you planted two years ago. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: that's really cool. <laughs> Daddy, uh, what inspires you the most about the Oregon Flora Project?
2: Well I came from Michigan and Uh, I came uh, as an adult and I came... um, I realized that the Oregon Flora Project allowed me to very quickly learn uh, a lot of these 4,500 native plants. As an ecologist, I needed to be able to hit the ground running Mm -hmm. and this provided me the tools, it provided me these maps so I could get it to a family, I could take the maps, I could take the photos and that combination, the distributions plus the photos, allowed me very quickly to identify plants.
1: So actual practical application very for field practical. work in ecology. Yeah. That's awesome. And Linda, how about you? What inspires you the most about the Oregon Flora Project?
3: I think the potential that exists in the information that we present is really exciting because this core information about all of the plants is then used and can be applied to gardening, to restoration, to land, plan- land use planning, all these different arenas, people interact with and interface with plants, and here's the core source of information that can then be applied to these different different areas.
1: Right. So it's botanical information that can underpin a lot of additional research and really help decision makers decide mm-hmm. how to, how to structure laws and how to uh, provide for development and preservation and all of those kinds of details. The more information we have about native plants specifically, the better off we'll be. Yes. That's awesome. This is Grow PDX radio show and podcast. We're talking with Linda Hardison and Denny Albert of the Oregon Flora Project. They'll be staying with us as we take your gardening and landscaping questions for our final segment of the show. Give us a shout at 503-233-9729, or you can post your questions on video feed on Facebook at The Oregonian. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Weston Miller. We'll be back in a minute.
0: Support for X-Ray FM comes from Lackey Construction specializing in residential and light commercial construction projects in Portland, Oregon. More information available at lackeyconstruction.com.
3: Support for X-Ray FM comes from Portland Nursery. For over 100 years, Portland Nursery has provided Portland residents with a wide selection of healthy plants and expert gardening advice, community-oriented and family-owned. Portland Nursery, a passion for plants, a nursery for plant people located on 50th and Stark and on 90th and Division.
1: X-ray, X-ray, X-ray. Welcome back to Grow PDX. I'm your host Weston Miller of OSU. We're with Diana Suarez. She's digital producer for Grow PDX. Hey, and Linda, we've got some specific questions for you about the the app you The mentioned. application, the wild, the app. Tell us more. Where can people find it?
3: Sure. You can buy it for Android and Apple devices. Um, It's $9.95 and it covers 1,054 different plants from around the state. Again, this is wildflowers that you have um, the ability to simply select from one of 12 features about them where you are like
1: flower color flower
3: color petal number leaf shape how big is the plant what month does it bloom Mm. and then you narrow it down to um anything from one to maybe a dozen and then you can look at photos of these and determine based on the maps and the dots is where it's occurring and what it looks like is that's your plant
1: So it really is a handy tool for identifying plants because you can look at characteristics, you can look at timing, and really most importantly you can look at pictures and compare what you see out in the field to what you see in there. And um, identifying plants via books if you've never seen them or been formally introduced to them is pretty hard, but this has taken a step
3: towards making it easier. Right. Right. that's and
1: awesome.
0: The app again is just Oregon Wildflowers. It's called
3: Oregon Wildflowers.
0: Got it. Thank you Linda, mm-hmm. that's really cool. I'm really excited to check that out.
1: Let's get specific about choosing native plants. Denny, <coughs> Denny Albert, what are some good native plants for urban landscapes?
2: Well that's a question that I'm gonna s- semi-pass. We have um, one of the things that the web page is doing is developing a uh, is going to have lists of species for different habitats. And so that's one of the most important things when you're thinking about native plants: is what is the habitat you have? So some, a lot of people may have a, a meadow-like lawn, so they're they're going to want meadow plants. They're going to want some some daisy-like species. Uh, and other spe other folks are going to have uh, forested habitat. So they may have a north side of their house that's very shaded, and so you may want some trilliums or some. Uh, other species that are adapted to be to living in the shade
1: okay uh, so in other words right plant and right location would the be location a good starting place habitat and yes. Linda how about you how, what are some um, full Sun type plants that would be that could be planted in a landscape that are both natives and interesting in terms of botany but also impressive landscape plants
3: I think the red flowering currant is one that that can grow in a wide variety of light and uh, water regimes. That's going to be one that's really showy, versatile. Cool. Um,
1: what about some smaller plants? Oregon sunshine. Some herbaceous plants. Well, okay, Oregon, Oregon sunshine. Oregon sunshine's a great one. And isn't that an oxymoron, Oregon sunshine? <laughs> well... You
0: know, a couple times a day we'll get some sunshine.
1: Well, this year it, it seems it, but um, for those who don't know, the Oregon sunshine's got some really happy yellow flowers. It forms a pretty impressive little mound, um, and then in about May or so it blooms, and it's got a pretty good, like, six-week or so blooming mm-hmm. season and it to b- helps to brighten the late spring. Um, how about yarrow? Yarrow is really one of my mm. favorite plants Woo-hoo! and we've adopted a, a pet yarrow as part of this show.
0: <laughs> I put it in the ground, actually. I don't know if I told you that. It's, okay. it, it's, it's <laughs>
1: actually growing now <laughs> in yeah. the ground.
0: Yeah. Great. Another
2: I like is Iris, iris Tanex. It's a little mm-hmm. um, iris, tends to be oh 4 to 6 inches tall, has a small blue flower, and it's flowering right now. It's starting to flower Starting to right flower now. already. For the next okay. month, mm-hmm. it'll it, it'll flower into June.
1: Okay, and Diana, we've got some more questions from Facebook.
0: Yeah, we have Ellen on Facebook who asks, what can she plant near a pine tree that won't die?
1: Lina, you want to take that?
3: Hmm. Um, bleeding heart? You can have some things that'll grow in slight light shade, such as bleeding heart. That's really lovely. Yeah,
1: western bleeding heart would be a great choice. It spreads a little bit, so... Um, it doesn't get overwhelmed by other plants. Mm -hmm. And then I'd probably throw sword fern in there as a really ubiquitous, good, easy to grow plant to put underneath either a pine tree or a fir tree. Um, Maybe some western columbine as well would be another plant I would grow in that situation. Or a
2: deer deer fern, which is a, a small version of sword fern that only gets to be about less than a foot tall. Okay, Denny,
0: I thought you were going to say, just throw a deer in there. <laughs> 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 they will work. They'll we'll grow. pass
2: on the deer. Thank you.
0: Delete <laughs> all my roses. I don't <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> and Linda, Western ninebark is one of my favorite mm. shrubs for growing in a mm. landscape. Can you tell us about that one?
3: That's in the rose family. It's in the rose family, yeah. And um, it's a nice sort of open shrubby kind of a, a plant that has really interesting bark and it's a a really good general interest plant that
1: easy to grow 15 feet tall by 15 feet wide they get pretty Mm -hmm. big compared Mm -hmm. to some of the other landscape shrubs that are natives out there and then when they flower they're really pretty um but uh, when the the flowers are dry they turn into these cool cream colored Mm pom-poms and then the bark itself the nine bark it's called nine bark because the the canes of different ages have different colors and oftentimes like during the winter right about now or early spring you can see those different colors on the canes and they're just really gorgeous. Now I have a question for both of you, uh, Linda and Denny. What are some good places for people to go out and observe native plants like uh, specific habitat types like maybe an oak prairie?
3: There are some around and Let's see, so Rowena Plateau if you head east up the gorge. Rowena, Okay, nice so Rowena
1: is a little bit east of uh-huh. Hood River there. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good place to see oaks mixed with lots of wildflowers and the timing for going there would be N- May? S- May. May would yeah, be yeah. May,
2: early June would be good timing there.
1: Okay. And how about in the Willamette Valley, Denny?
2: Okay, in the Willamette Valley, Basket Slough, which is down near Salem is an oak woodland and prairie site. has lupins and uh, the fender blue butterfly feeds on the lupins there. Uh, Another great site is Findlay Refuge, which is down between uh, Junction or Monroe and Corvallis, or between Eugene and Corvallis.
1: Depending on how you're getting there. Yes. And how about a wetland habitat?
3: Ah, there are wetlands around here in the the Tualatin River Basin. There's some some good wetlands. Um, Shampui State Park. Shampui, Sauvie Island, Okay, places close to here. Yeah.
1: Uh, So so the bottom line is there's no shortage of good places for people to go to check out native plants in action, so to speak.
3: Right. And there's a chapter in Volume 1 of the Flora that is 50 places to go see great examples of the different ecoregions and the plant communities that are found there. It has
2: photos of all of those, uh, many of those sites really fine photos of those sites as well. Yeah. Awesome.
0: It, are there any pictures of ground covering? We're looking for some good ground covering at our, in our yard right now. Do you have any Okay, so native ground covers
1: well, there's always the Kniknik or mm-hmm. the Arctostaphylos uva ursi. It's a little bit on the slow-growing side, but uh, if you plant it pretty densely, it'll form a nice evergreen mat. Mm-hmm. It's got pretty little red stems and little uh, flowers that also attract bumblebees. Mm-hmm. So that's a good choice. Any other ideas in terms of a ground cover? Mahonia. What's that? Oregon grape is mm-hmm. is, is a the, the dull Oregon grape yeah mm-hmm. and so
2: th- and the low one will grow in sort of knee height and below so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and and will expand qu- quite a bit after okay. a few years
0: got it is that the one with like the little smallish they almost look like black blueberries and they're kind of in like like col- yeah, columnar it. yeah bolt bunches yeah that's exactly that's it. So, it. so that's
1: Ooh. the organ grape um it is our state flower
2: okay. yeah and it has very nice yellow flower which will be beginning to bloom fairly soon
0: very mm-hmm. good
1: We've been joined by Linda Hardison and Denny Albert. They were the Oregon Flora Project. Thank you so much for listening to Grow PDX. The show is produced by me, Weston Miller of OSU, and Diana Suarez and Will Romy of X-Ray FM. Join us again next week at 1 p.m. We'll be talking about lawns, including eco-lawns, and taking your gardening questions. Linda and Denny, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for you. having us. And you can catch the podcast of the show at Grow PDX on Facebook. X-ray.